Welcome to the Randy Gravit Leadership Podcast, where we help you lead the hardest person you will ever lead, yourself. Here's your host, someone who believes leadership begins at home, Randy Gravit. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Randy Gravit Leadership Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. Thanks for sharing. We got our audiences growing. It's been a lot of fun the last few weeks. And today I am so pumped up because... Look who blew in from the Windy City. It's my baby girl, Catherine Blackstock. So welcome, my favorite daughter, to the podcast. You're my favorite because you're the one who's here today. I heard that on Rebecca's podcast because I'm a listener that she was the favorite, but I knew the the truth. (laughs) So I always tell them, whoever's here, I tell them they're the favorite, so... That's good. So you're the you're the one today. I'm welcome up, to the show. Up to bat today. That's me. <laughs> so well, welcome. Um, thank thanks for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. This is fun. It's good to have you all set up in the living room. It's, it's a good, good time. <laughs> good to have you home. It's it's really good to have you home. So let's uh let's kick off here. There are people listening who have no idea who you are. Probably most people. <laughs> exactly. So uh, give us a little bit of your story. Yes, I am. Catherine Blackstock. I just, I'm a newlywed. So a couple months now, four months, I what are you, think. What are you, four months in? Four months in. I married a man named Arion Blackstock. Best friend. Love him to death. Um, and that's going well. I, first of all, I'm a, I'm a daughter of the king. Um, I love the Lord. My husband's a youth pastor. And so we are heavily involved in our church up in Pilsen, Chicago. Um, I'm a fifth grade teacher. So for those who don't Brand remember. Brand new teacher. New teacher, first my first year. We're uh, going to talk about that in a few minutes. I'm 23. Yeah, I just finished college this past year. Yeah. Uh, 2020 was my graduation year, my marriage year, my first year of teaching. I moved to Illinois. Um, and worked in a global pandemic. There. Worked in the midst of a global pandemic, <laughs> virtual and in person. Uh, ten, uh, f- fifth graders are t- 10 and 11 year, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 10 and 11 years old, for those who maybe don't remember. I hadn't been in fifth grade um, in a while, yeah. Haven't been in fifth grade in a while, probably most people listening, but so I work with 10 and 11 year olds every day and then I come home and I hang out with my husband and, um, yeah, that's a little bit about current modern day me. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. So, uh, we got to watch you grow up. I want to go back a little ways and I tell people sometimes when I talk about you guys that you are our kid who thinks the world's a party and you were the guest of honor. (laughs) Honestly, you just love life. I mean, you really always have. It's it's so much fun to hang out with you and be around you. And I know one of your oh, big thanks. words is the idea of of celebration. And so yes. we got leaders listening. We're talking about self-leadership stuff here most of the time. But I think one of the things that we underestimate is how much it matters when leaders celebrate. Mm. It, yes. it, it, it's it's just huge when when they create an environment where people feel validated, celebrated not just tolerated as I say, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes we're just like, we have these people on our team and we, you know, we hired them, but we think for some reason we have to tolerate them now. It's just crazy. But uh, how important is it for leaders who may not be so good at celebrating to create an environment where people do feel validated and feel celebrated? This is a big part of your life. So talk, talk about why you're so passionate about it. Extremely important. It's a great question. I think a lot of people should spend more time celebrating than they do. Um, we celebrate the randomest things in our home. We did this growing up in this home, our home. Um, and I think that's where that comes from. I think God put 
um, just a special celebration quality in me. And I think that you and mom really fostered that. And so today with leaders, I think that's why it's so important um, to emphasize, especially now that I'm in a position where I'm leading um, several very impressionable people <laughs> every day. Um, it's a, it's extremely important. Um, it can't be neglected. So I think whether it's at home or at work, at home, you should practice it because you can't go wrong with a celebration at home, whether it's, oh, you got a promotion, which is a big thing to celebrate, or, hey, you made it through Wednesday, and <laughs> this week has been really awful and terrible, and we're just going to celebrate tonight that you made it through Wednesday. Um, in my classroom, what that looks like is really dedicating a lot of time to celebration. And so I actually watched this documentary during COVID and quarantine and all this stuff on Netflix, obviously. And um, it had to do with, they did this study where they had these people come in and do a skill they were not good at. I think it was like a ping pong paddle or something like that, bouncing. Bouncing it. a ball, whatever. And a lot of the people were not very good at it um, right off the off the bat. And they brought in a professional and he either critiqued them or celebrated them and said, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Or that was absolutely terrible. You should never do this. And then they gave them an hour to practice and the people came back and they did it again. Oh my. The people that had been celebrated and told you're amazing, even if they were absolutely terrible, got progressively better percentage wise. Wow. The people that were critiqued, even if they had originally been pretty good, decreased dramatically. And so, um, I think that's one example. I think there's a lot of studies if you wanted to look into it. But when you celebrate people and you point out the good things they're doing, it makes a bigger difference than when you say, this is what you did wrong. I want to perform for someone who says, this is great, replicate this, yeah. rather than someone who says, I'm not proud of these 10 problems that you did. I'd rather someone point out the one that I did right. And I think, I think today we do live in a culture where it's too easy to just celebrate everything and people want everything to be celebrated. You have to do work in, in life. You can't just be lazy. We don't need um, affirmation about everything, yeah. but you do need to affir uh, affirm what's done correctly because then people want to replicate that for you rather than be fearful that everything they're going to do is going to be critiqued. Yeah. Your sister and I, Rebecca, you mentioned her, she was on the, on the show several weeks ago. We had her on. And one of the things we talked about was people that are your age in particular, mm -hmm. but really p people in their twenties, thirties, especially kids now yes. in their teens, we, we live a little bit in a world where we post something and immediately we get affirmed with a like or a, yes. or, you know, a comment or, or whatever. And then all of a sudden we show up in the workplace and we mm -hmm. wonder why is our old boss not, like constantly pouring love on me. Yeah. That you, you see this a little bit in your classroom now yes. with your, your kids. They definitely, they need to be validated so much because some of the kids that you have in your room are not validated so much mm -hmm. at home. And so just how as a leader, can we, can we understand the importance of affirmation maybe more than what we do? I mean, you got any yeah. thoughts on that? I think, and Caleb Stanley actually said this. I'm telling you, I'm a listener. On, yeah, you are a listener. He said it on, Thank you. on his uh, recording of the podcast. That's why you get to be on. Your other sister telling you, no, I have a podcast. So that's, uh, well, that's see, good. That's I, Rebecca knows, but. The favorite here yeah. on the podcast. Um, but Caleb actually talked about that. He's He's been an influencer for a while. And if you haven't listened, go listen to that one. Um, he talked about that instant affirmation, yep. just likes, comments, whatever. And actually, I think with kids, psychologically, it's changing what the next generation is going to do. And I'm 23. So I 
like to think I'm not um, in this group that's completely just absorbed in technology, although my job has me that way with Corona right now. Um, but in the future, I like to think I'm kind of in that that next 20s and 30s group. But I'm on that cusp for sure. I think you and mom really regulated technology. I would advise if a parent's listening, you should also be regulating how much your kid is on a screen. I work with 10 and 11 year olds who are on a screen eight hours a day with me. And then they go play video games all afternoon. And I don't think that that's healthy, personal opinion. Um, read studies if you want. But affirmation is extremely important. I think we're so used to getting it instantly, especially this next generation and my generation. We need it right away. We need it all the time. And my students, I see this, they need it for everything. If I don't affirm it, they're not going to do it. If I don't, if they know I'm not going to affirm it, they don't do it. If I don't affirm it, they don't think it was done well. And I really work to teach them, which is countercultural for them right now. Just because I don't tell you that you did a fantastic job on every <laughs> single math problem, and we do a lot of math problems, right. it doesn't mean that you're bad at math. Right. And they need to be told constantly how great they did. And that's um, a little worrisome. You need to be able to do things independently. For sure. Um, but I think also with affirmation, there is something about that drafting process. So when writing... I mean, we're learning about an outline and then research and then we do edit and editing. We draft it, then we edit, then we draft again, then we edit. Yeah. And then we have, actually this past Walk week, it was really fun. Book. We had a big publishing party where we had music. And yeah, it was, that's cool. It was virtual, but they got to read their published paper and yeah. um, hype it up and celebrate it. But also be aware that we're not going to affirm every step along the way because there isn't always time for that. But if you save that affirmation, you can have a massive publishing party or you can do the big celebration right where the people feel that affirmation that they need. And then next time my students write a paper, they're going to be they're going to be stoked to get started yeah. because they know what's coming. And all along the way, they're working towards something worth affirming. Yeah. I don't affirm it if it's not worth affirming That's because good. we don't need to affirm everything. Right. Not everything deserves it. Right. Um, but if it deserves it, Point it out. Yeah. Point it out publicly. Yeah. We do the publish part, publishing party in front of the whole class. Yeah. When I say I like how so-and-so is doing this, I say it in front of the whole class because then the whole class hears, That's, that, Mrs. Blackstock likes this. I should be doing this. Yeah. And so that public affirmation also, even for a shy kiddo, it does a lot. It right. does a lot for him. That's good. So you have had the option of, I mean, you're a bright girl. You've been in front of people your oh, whole thanks. life. You, you, Honestly, you... You've done so many great things, and yet you, you, and you're, well, I want to get into your business kind of stuff <laughs> and your entrepreneurial spirit, you know, okay. here in a minute. But uh, you chose to spend the last four years at Mercer. Shout out mm -hmm. to the Bears. Go Bears. Yeah, there you go. Uh, learning, uh, uh, studying education. And yes. so you, you have chosen to go into, for now, this field of education, I say mm -hmm. for now, you've, you've said that. That's not, you, you do what you want to do. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of you. But uh, you're investing your time with 10 and 11 year olds. Mm -hmm. Talk about why it was so important for you to uh, invest in the next generation. And then would you share, I know you, your, your story of what inspired you to think about being a teacher goes way back. So yeah, tell us a little bit about, about that. Um, I was late to the game, first of all. I did not read till I was in second grade, which is um, very late. If you're unaware of when kids are learning to read, it is not second grade um, unless there's stuff going on. I grew up in a very supportive home, very 
um, you taught for a while, you were a pastor, you did all these different things and you really fostered education is important. My mom was actually a fifth grade teacher. She did second grade for a bit. Um, so you guys were teachers. So education was important. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, administrators, you name it. Everyone has coached, principled, taught, taught whatever, done it. So the example was clear. It was not expected in any way. Um, but I was late to the game, even though I had this whole culture that was just highly educated, master's degrees and everything. Um, but I was very late to the game. Maybe it's because I'm the youngest of the four girls or Hannah was always reading to me or Rebecca was sharing her knowledge or things like that. <laughs> and I just kind of absorbed and maybe didn't do. So anyway, I was late to the game learning to read in second grade. And we actually applied to go to Landmark Christian School where I went from second to 12th grade. At the beginning of second grade when my sisters were going and I did not pass the test to get into Landmark. I was by far not smart enough. Um, I thought there were nine tens in a hundred. Apparently second graders are supposed to know that it's 10. Um, I could not read. Now you're teaching I couldn't math. tell time. Now I teach fifth grade fractions in long division. Oh my goodness. Um, which is not easy. Um, but my mom sat down and went to work and in a couple months she had me reading on grade level, which was, um, or close enough. And a student left and you I was able to school. join in January. And so in January, uh, Nicole Daniel, my second grade teacher, who I never gave enough appreciation. Now I'm a teacher. I see this other side. Um, probably did way more than I'm aware. Also my third grade teacher, Miss Tucker. Um, they spent so much time with me one-on-one -on -one because I was drastically behind, especially for a private school where kids went to pre-K and kindergarten and um on my first day of school, Miss Daniel gave me um, a pencil with a purple eraser cap. I remember, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> and she said, you know, I'm going to sit you here next to Taylor and you guys are going to be the best friends. Middle of the year, I know no one. Everyone's established already. Um, new students is not a common thing in this school in the middle of the year. You come in at the beginning. So this is a very rare God kind of thing, occasion. She gives me this purple eraser cap and she said, you know, you... Um, are going to have a great day. And I remember the first day was kind of rough. And then at the end of the day, she said, you did great. You might even be a teacher one day. And I thought, I might be a teacher <laughs> one day. And second grade was the one. And so um, for, you know, a, a decade, I thought, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. And then I went to college and I studied to become a teacher. And now I'm a fifth grade teacher, which I said I'd never be fifth grade. I said any elementary grade, but fifth. Um, but I'm a fifth grade teacher and uh, it's going really well and I love it. Uh, and that's kind of how I got here. Long story, sorry. No, but, that's, that's fantastic. Um, that's how I got here. Studied at Mercer for four years. Mercer had a really good program where I was student teaching um, all of my senior year. But I was in classrooms my freshman spring yeah. um, working with students, yeah. hands-on, figuring out, do I like this? Do I actually hate this? Um, which I appreciated because I spent time in the classroom. And so when it was time to teach, I thought... Oh, I like this. Okay. I, I can do this. Yeah. I could definitely do this. I was yeah. doing it every day already. So uh, let's talk about your, your, uh, your classroom in particular right now. You have, it's, it's been kind of fun to just have a little bit of a, I won't even call it a front row seat, but a, but a seat to watch what you've done this fall. Uh, and I say that because you have, you have done a couple of things that have been a little bit out of the ordinary. Obviously you're teaching remotely yeah. at the beginning of the year. Not what I they thought let, I was getting a exactly, degree for. Exactly. They let <laughs> kids come maybe halfway through the fall. So yeah. you had them for a few weeks and mm -hmm. now they've sent them back home again. And so you are literally on a yo-yo string with 
you know, yes. and you thrive off the kids being there and that kind of thing. So for sure, been some challenges, but one of the things you've done, I thought that's been kind of cool is you have, and tell us about this. You have this, uh, is it Monday nights or it's one night of the week you're doing story time with Mrs. Blackstock, like yes. not in class. This is afterwards. Mm -hmm. And these kids are invited to come and they're actually bringing their little brothers and sisters. I mean, <laughs> give us some yeah. um, story so time we, with Mrs. Blackstock. What's first of like? all, I talk a lot actually, about teaching. Actually, you'd like to come. It'd be kind of fun. Totally can. Um, first of all, I want to say I talk a lot about teaching. I am by no means an expert. I am 23. I'm in my first year. Brand I new teacher. No clue what I'm yeah. doing. So take it or leave it. Everything I'm saying. Um, but also if you're a teacher, shout out, you are doing great work and you are not appreciated they're, they're enough and I'm very changers. proud of you. Yeah. Keep it up. Yeah. Um, that was a side note. Appreciation. You deserve it. Celebration. Have yourself a party. Um, but they, my district is very, um, progressive. I think they really have fought for the students to be in the schools. So they did a gradual release. Kindergarten came back, then first, then second, then third each week. Mm -hmm. Fifth grade, obviously mine came back the latest. So I had my students in person for the month of October, um, just about a little bit of November. So I had about a month with them. Uh, we were virtual before that in person. And then the last couple of days, we've actually been back to yeah. virtual. And we're going to continue that through the Christmas season just because of um, people traveling and seeing family and stuff like that, which is strange. Um but I remember my favorite thing was because I was late to the game reading, mom would sit down and actually read um, the Bible with me, which is very advanced vocabulary for a second grader. Um, <laughs> and an she, old I remember she'd open it up and she would read and I could help with some words when I, when I was able. And that just was such a sweet time for me. We have pictures around the house of us four girls in a bed, Hannah reading us, Hannah's my um, oldest sister, reading us a book. Um, and we're all looking and pointing. I remember you would read chapter books to me in the night and then you'd always close the book really fast. And we thought that was so funny. And, um, that makes a big difference. Parents who read to their kids, siblings who read to other siblings. If you have a kid who's struggling with reading, highly recommend reading to them, having them read out loud all around the family. Um, but not all my students have that same opportunity. I teach in a school that works really hard to give resources to uh, the families in my class. There's a really big gap though. I have some students who have been in private schools and I have some students who have never had that opportunity this year because of um, COVID. So some students have opted out of their typical educational setting and I've got a wide range of learners, which I'm used to. Um, I, I student taught in Macon, Georgia, which is a lower socioeconomic place. And so um, I saw a lot of poverty and, and um, remnants of poverty in my classroom. So this year I do, that was a lot of backstory, but this year I'm doing something called um, Blackstock Bedtime Stories because okay. a little alliteration never hurts anyone. <laughs> and on Monday nights at seven, the kids can uh, jump into totally a Zoom. Totally optional. Absolutely not required for any students. They can jump into a Zoom with me and I read, um, you know, one to four chapters of a chapter, a, a chapter book. book. Um, depending on how long the chapters are, about 30, 45 minutes. Um, and they are invited to bring their parents or siblings. Many of them bring their younger siblings, which is fun. Um, and then at the end of the book, we do a movie night the same week on Friday, which they think is just the best. It's the bomb. Um, so right now we're reading C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and we'll watch, the, um, you know, we'll watch the Narnia when Narnia. we're done. But I also try to 
do different book series. So I started with a series of unfortunate events. Then we're doing this. I might do something by Rick Riordan to present some really different genres, mm-hmm. um, all fiction, because I think bedtime stories should just be fun and whimsy and get your dreams going. <laughs> I think the kids should be really creative. Um, but then they could find a story that they like and hook on to it. And then whether they have the resources or if they need the school to provide them, we can get them that book series and they could read it on their own. Yeah. Um, trying to get them in a place where they think, ooh, that's a cool book. I want to read that on my own. It's back and up, not yeah. every kid has a book at home. So yeah. that's why I do the bedtime it's stories. It's the old uh, saying, reading is fun. Back in the day when I was a kid, they used to say that. And so they were just trying to get kids to read more. So exactly. it's, it's pretty powerful. And not all my students have parents that um, read have the ability or... to read to them. Maybe they're at work or... Um, out or something like that and so i think there's something really powerful about reading to a child when they're so young. talk to leaders here who are um uh, maybe tempted to do the minimum uh mm. you've never been a person who does the minimum i love the fact that you're not required <laughs> to do this you're just it's like a little cherry on top you're going above and beyond <laughs> Exactly. But it's taking time out of your schedule to do this, to invest extra in your classroom. Uh, talk, talk to us about the power of going the extra mile and, and, you know, being willing to, to work for free in, in mm. that instance. I mean, yeah, I mean, you think that's important? Obviously you do. I, I mean, do. Tell me why. I do think it's important because when you set apart a time, whether it's for, um, celebration or reading a bedtime story or, um, I like to write, whether it's writing or investing in yourself or listening to this podcast and trying to grow, um, reading in the morning, whatever it may be for you. When you set apart that time outside of the work day, it says I'm investing beyond what's required. And a lot of people will do what's required. I just finished parent teacher conferences and I talked to several parents about, you know, your son or daughter does exactly what I ask, which is so great but they never do anything more. Just a heads up. And that's okay. It's great to do what you're asked, but when you're told to write five sentences and you write five sentences, I have some students that'll write 50. And that's mm-hmm. going above and beyond. Is that maybe too much sometimes? Yes. In I think it works the same way in the business world or in your personal life. I mean, you can show up to your kids' games or you could show up to work every day on time, but when you put in that extra investment, um, you encourage somebody else's kid you, or you, I mean, exactly. whatever. Or you talk about the game afterwards and because you were actually Debrief engaged the when in a you were there. Way. In a positive way, yes. Like, why did it you makes not a do, difference. You know, Your kid says, oh, he's invested, out me, invested in me outside of maybe what I was expecting or what I see by other parents. Um, I think it shows love. Um, I, I think it's important to invest early too. So the beginning of my school year, we don't touch the math book the first week. I mean, we do some multiplication review and stuff like that, but we go over policies and procedures and expectations and the high fives, which are our character things that we talk about. And I tell them how much I love them. And um, we just go over character stuff and what we're going to do and expectations so that when those aren't met later, we can address that accurately. But I think if you're not willing to put in that extra time that says I care about you at 7 p.m. on a Monday when I don't have to and I could be cooking dinner for me and my husband and we could be hanging out with friends or things like that. The kids don't think about it like that. But they do know this fifth grade teacher cares about me in a way that other teachers maybe didn't show. And that doesn't mean their other teachers didn't care. When a leader says I'm going to invest 
coffee, lunch, writing time, editing time, a special meeting to a just note, ask how you're doing, note. a handwritten note. You're it says, man, this teacher in 10th grade, I had a teacher write me a note that was probably three sentences, but I still remember Oh my gosh, I got a yeah, letter so from a, a leader teacher. Yeah, so a leader listening has somebody on their team that's, you know, they're not in fifth grade, they're maybe they're 35. You know, exactly. But they still, those notes or those, that affirmation or that cup of coffee or stopping by or, or just a 30, phone call. 30 hey, seconds or 30 minutes of your day investing in someone else may add value to their whole week. Really Whereas their whole life. To their whole life maybe, you never know. <laughs> you go back a purple, and you got a purple. A purple eraser cap. Um, might mean more than you ever know. Yeah. And it was probably something she had had in her desk for years and she just gave it to me because she didn't have a small gift or something. But a small eraser cap, a small note in 10th grade, I hope 30 minutes on a Monday night says, one person in my life believed in me and added value because they saw potential. I tell the kids every time I see potential. Why can't we all have a teacher like you? That's so good. <laughs> Not that That's great. so good. And, and we can. The teachers do have the choice to be able to... to create an environment like that you know and i think leaders one do public too. School, corporate and business in the just midwest as much. you're trying to you know one classroom I and mean, we have teachers all over the. we have a lot of teachers that listen and we have teachers all over the country who are loving kids well and they are heroic you, you mentioned a minute ago it really really is great so and i cool. think even if you're a teacher listening or if you're a businessman listening if you're a teacher send it to the parents of the students if you're a businessman send it to an employee but i send an email every afternoon it takes me 30 seconds um, saying, your son did a great job today in math, and I'm so happy that he's in my class. And to the, to the son, it might not mean a lot, but when he hears his dad say, I got an email from your teacher today, he goes, and then he says, and you did a great job. Yeah. He goes, my dad, not my teacher affirmed me. My dad just affirmed me because my teacher sent that email. Yeah. And if you're a businessman and you send that, that 30-second email could make that employee's whole week and they'll work harder for you all week because yeah. they think Raises he's watching what I'm doing. Even he, he might not be, but he was one time. And so it that affirmation, it boosts the productivity yeah. moving forward. Thanks again for joining us uh, this week. It's been a great conversation. I appreciate, again, so much you being here with us. I hope you will take what you've heard today and find a nugget or two to apply to your own life. Again, go start something, whatever it is you need to do. You, you go get after it. That'd be great. But also, I would ask you to help us out. Help spread the message of what we're doing here. We're trying to help leaders get better. And these conversations are just another example, especially right now, of a young leader who's who's getting it done in the right way, having so much influence in the classroom, all kinds of places. So if you you know of a, of a young leader who might be encouraged by this, I encourage you to share that with them. Share the link. Continue to download. We're on Spotify and LinkedIn and Apple Podcasts, YouTube. You find us all over the place. So We'd love it if you would help share the message. Keep leading yourself well. It's the hardest person you'll lead, but if you get it right, it's going to be good, not only for those around you, but also for you. Thanks for listening to the Randy Gravit Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, we ask you to leave a review if you haven't already and subscribe so you'll be alerted when we post new content. We also encourage you to share a link with your friends. Tune in Friday for another episode with a special guest leader. Now, go lead yourself first. Remember, leadership begins at home.